Hey there, welcome friend to the podcast today. Brian Del Turco with you, Jesus Smart the Podcast. This is episode 275, the good news behind the bad news behind the good news. I'm hoping to implant uh, some and, and bring to our awareness some kingdom concepts that we can pull right down into the practice of our lives. This will make a difference for you and me if we can get this and grow in this awareness. It it will take us beyond church attendance, beyond religious duty, beyond just anticipating heaven, whatever that means, at some point on the future horizon to much more of a a kingdom worldview, which which I think will provide inspiration, motivation. It can affect your decision making, your your sense of calling, and your assignment on the earth. Um, a much a much grander worldview than just a churchianity or a or a heaven view. A much grander worldview that can even capture young adults. You know, that's that's a big thing today. Capturing vision, capturing young adults with a vision that's big enough to fascinate them and capture them. And, you know, I think that the offer that Jesus has on the table is being missed, is being missed by many today. Well, as I mentioned, this is episode 275. JesusSmart.com slash 275 is where you can go to take this further, look at links, listen to the episode again. It's it's a page worth worth going to. If you hear this um, as soon as this podcast goes live, if you hear it like within a couple hours of it going live, just give it several hours for that page um, to be put up on JesusSmart.com. I just really believe that Jesus Christ, he's our savior and he's a wise king who knows how our lives work best. And he's passionate about developing us, not only as his followers, but as intimate friends. And get this, if you can get this, this is where uh, you get dangerous uh, to the kingdom of darkness. Co-agents in his kingdom. You have agency. You are a co-agent, a vice regent in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what are we talking about here today? There's a lot of needful conversation going on out there today about what is the gospel. We have to get back to the gospel is a mantra. And often it's a correction to some extreme teaching, like some type of a hyper prosperity gospel, or, you know, some other extreme thing that gets out of scale and, and out of proportion. Maybe it's some, some kind of like woo woo, you know, some sort of like new age beliefs, even with a veneer of Christianity over it. And I agree. I really do. And then those who really want to emphasize the gospel will say things like, well, we're, we're sinful. Jesus came to die for our sins and he was raised from the dead. There may be a little bit more, but basically that's the framework. Often uh, where we will go in the scriptures for this is the first several verses in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, you also are saved if you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, these are crucial elements of core Christian belief. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. And I agree. What I'm wondering about 
is why we're not emphasizing the kingdom, though, because far and away, the kingdom of God was the central motif, okay? The central theme, the core theme of Jesus' teaching and modeling in the Gospels. He began by saying, his very first public words as he began his ministry were to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near to you. The kingdom of God is drawn near to you. Nicodemus came to visit Jesus at night in John 3. Jesus told Nicodemus that the whole thing of being born again is to see and enter the kingdom. In verse 3, he says, you must be born again to see the kingdom. In verse 5, he says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom. Right as Jesus was about to die when he was on trial before Pilate, Pilate asked if Jesus was a king. And what did Jesus say? For this purpose, I was born. He's telling Pilate, as representing the Roman Empire, I was born because I'm a king. That's the purpose for which I was born. I am a king. In the book of Acts, I'm just giving you some scriptures to think about here about the primacy of the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts, which is the early history of the young church, it begins by saying right there in chapter 1 that Jesus spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God during those 40 days between his resurrection and ascension. It says that he, quote, spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We can imagine, right, that Jesus was prioritizing his message at that time as never before, perhaps. And what was he talking about? The kingdom of God. That's how the book of Acts begins The very last verses of Acts talk about the Apostle Paul. I think he was in the city of Ephesus at the time. And I'm telling you, it's the very last verse or two of the book of Acts. It says that he was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. What was his focus? The kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord is a term back then, and certainly in the scriptures, it means like emperor or the chief leader. It's really what got the first Christians in trouble with the Romans uh, when they said Jesus is Lord and not Augustus. That's what they meant. Not any of those early Roman emperors in the first generation church. Now, let's not bury the lead. In journalism, there's this phrase about burying the lead. The lead in journalism, is the most newsworthy part of a story. Journalists are, they're trained to keep it front and center. You don't bury the lead deep into the article or the news story. If a writer buries the lead, then the priority news of the story fails to appear at the beginning where it's expected. And the reader might miss the lead. He might not really understand what the whole story is about. Now, here's my question. Are we burying the lead when we communicate and live in a way as a Christ follower that does not keep the kingdom of Christ front and center? Are we burying the lead when the kingdom of God is not core to our message and core not only to the message that we use with words, but the message that we use with how we live our lives and how we express Christianity as a community of faith, as the church. Are we burying the lead? Sometimes 
you will, you will hear nothing about the kingdom. You really won't. You, you will not hear anything about the message of the kingdom, the modeling of the kingdom, what it means to be a part of the kingdom. You just will not hear it at all. Sometimes you'll hear it, but it's not the lead. The lead is buried under many other things. Now, see, our, our, our message to people, it's not enough to say to them that you don't have to go to hell, although that's vital. It's not enough to say to them that Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life, although he does. However, you must die to find it. You must take up your cross to find it, if I could add that. But our message must be, look, there's a great king. You were born again to see and enter his kingdom, his realm, his domain. It starts now. And that kingdom is coming at its fullness when the king comes. I believe it's the New Testament word parousia or parousia. I'm really not exactly sure what the the correct pronunciation, but refers to the coming of Christ again. And it was a word used in the Greek culture for the appearance of a king. It was a royal, the good news of of the parousia is a royal pronouncement that the king is coming. The message is get ready now. When Jesus said repent, which means change your mind and thus change your lifestyle, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning in its fullness coming at his coming, the message is get ready now. Start living now in the light of that kingdom, the life of it, and the power of it, and the righteousness of it. Jesus said, start seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things that everybody is so concerned about and trying to chase down and they will be added to you, but we must orient our life now around what's coming or we will not enter the kingdom at his appearing. I'm going to be honest. If we do not embrace Christ, accept his atoning work in our lives, begin to follow him, begin to be conformed to his image, begin to obey him and do the will of God, we will be cast into outer darkness. We will not enter his kingdom at that time. But the good news, the good news, the lead message is that the kingdom has drawn near and we can begin to see and enter that kingdom experience now through the born-again experience and through discipleship, beginning to obey God and do His will now. In a sense, it's almost as if we are warming up for the new heavens and the new earth now. We're preparing ourselves. You know, Peter wrote that uh, the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells, perfect righteousness, think of it, perfect justice, that hunger, that quest that you feel in you, even at a personal level, but even at a societal level, for perfect justice, perfect righteousness, you are wired for the kingdom that's coming. We can begin to live now and prepare for that, begin to warm up to that, begin to taste those powers right now. I want to talk to you about dominion because Adam and Eve and we ourselves are created to be image bearers of God. He placed his image in the earth via Adam and Eve and via them to us as their descendants. And I know that everything has gone south, everything is blown up, 
and fallen, but Jesus has provided the corrective measure for that. Jesus said in the Gospels in Matthew, I think it's chapter 19, he talked about the regeneration of all things. He understood and saw that there is a horizon when everything will be regened. We are regened now. We are regenerated now, but ultimately the new heavens and the new earth and the entire cosmos will be regenerated. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. That process has already begun now in us since the cross and empty tomb and ascension of Christ. Isn't that good news? Our young adults, come on now, our our teenagers and young adults, 20s I'm talking, have to have a vision and an offer on the table from Jesus that is big enough to carry them through that decade of decision. So they marry well, they choose their career well, they make decisions well, education, whatever those major decisions are in that decade of decision, 18 to 28. But they need to have a vision and an experience of Christ that's so big and so magnificent that it captures them and it holds them. And it continues to grow because Christ is limitless. The beauty of Christ, the majesty of his kingdom, it's all without limit. There's no reason that people have to fall away from it. There's no reason to be bored with it. There's no reason to think that other things are more attractive. Life works, mate selection, marriage, career, just life itself, enjoying a sunset, works at its best at its optimal, when we have that set in place first. Christ the King, His kingdom, His righteousness, and we're seeking and questing after that first. It's not just the bad news of a fallen, broken everything, and then the good news of the gospel. I mean, it is that. It certainly is that, but there's more to the story further back. We were originally created as image bearers designed to exercise dominion under the sovereign rulership of God as king. There is good news before the bad news before the good news. Everybody talks about original sin. I wholeheartedly agree. The fall of Adam and Eve beginning in Genesis 3, they gave in to the deceiving work of Satan through the serpent. They took of that one test of fidelity and obedience and loyalty to God, and they broke it. They took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything broke. Their spiritual connection with God broke. And through that, everything broke. Their capacity to exercise dominion, the very ground underneath them broke. The curse of sin. I understand. That's the bad news. And we know there is the good news since Christ But I want to call your attention to the good news before the bad news, before the good news again. We all know about original sin, but do you know that there is original blessing? We have to read Genesis 1 and 2. We were created to exercise dominion. It says in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the created order. So it says in verse 27 that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit place their sense of community, their sense of unity into the earth in male and female. Verse 28 says, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Five words here, tremendous power words, worth memorizing, worth 
praying into, worth building it into your renewed mind and your consciousness. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and rule over everything. Fruitful, two, multiply, three, fill, four, subdue, which really means to cultivate and release the latent potential of, and five, rule. When we are born again, my friend, in Christ, John chapter 3, we are requalified for that capacity to begin exercising dominion under the sovereignty of God. Through Christ, through the experience of being born again in Christ, we are restated, reinstated, requalified for that capacity. You know, when a, when a baby is born, a baby has to grow. The baby has to develop into its full potential of becoming an adult, right? We now are called to grow in the nature of Christ the King and in his capacities, and we develop into that function. I love the verses in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Paul, again, we mentioned at the end of the book of Acts, it says, it ends with, it ends with Paul saying about Paul that he, he preached the kingdom of God and the things concerning the kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his focus just as it was the focus of Jesus. Here Paul is writing in Colossians 1, 13 and 14 that verse 13, he, the father, rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praise God for that. I mean, but the message is not just what Dallas Willard would call a gospel of sin management. It's not just a message of redemption, the reality of redemption and the forgiveness of sins, actually the first thing it mentions in verse 13 is that we've been transferred into the kingdom. How have we missed this? How are we underemphasizing this and just talking about a gospel of sin management, get your sins forgiven and attend church and go to heaven someday? How have we missed that we've been also translated into the kingdom of the Son of God? And it begins now. We have to rescript our awareness and our understanding, and our minds have to be renewed. Romans 12, 2. And Ephesians 4 says that the very spirit of our minds, the very spirituality of our thinking has to be renewed. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 15 that we have an opportunity, obey the Lord, and to grow up into the headship of Christ. We are to grow up into Christ as head over all things. Paul writes in Colossians 3.10 that we put on the new man. We have to like intentionally by faith and by practically applying, we have to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of God who created him. We have the opportunity to choose to follow the spirit, to choose to obey the word, to choose to be conformed to Jesus Christ and to put on the new man more and more and more. The new man is renewed. It's dynamic. It's not static. The new man is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So do you see today why the enemy is attacking the image bearers, male and female, a flood of ungodliness, a, a sea tide of deceit and corruption? But in the end, he won't stop it, my friend. There will be people who taste the powers of the age to come. In Hebrews 6, 4 to 5, it says that we can be enlightened. We can taste of the heavenly gift. We can partake of the Holy Spirit. We can taste the good word of God. Everything always comes through the agency of the word of God. And it says we can taste of the powers of the age to come. If we start living in this way, 
Hebrews says that it's a new and living way. You know what? We're going to sweat less and we're going to start giving the devil and his minions and his toadies some challenges and some problems. And they're going to do a little sweating and they're going to start tasting a bit of their future as we taste ours. Ooh, I like that. One time Jesus came to Satan, came to the demons and they said, have you come to torment us before the time? Well, yes, Einstein, I have. Yes, Stephen Hawking, I have come to, not the Stephen Hawking and Einstein or demons, you get my, you know, you're so smart, aren't you? Yes, I have come to torment you before the time. So, hey, we give them a little bit of their future as we taste a little bit of our future. How does that sound? The devil and his minions and his toadies. So we're saying that there was the good news of the kingdom in the original creation. We're talking about the first two chapters of Genesis. We're talking about seminal creation, seminal reality. You know, one time when Jesus was talking about marriage, he said, from the beginning, it's not been this way. You dudes think you can divorce your wife if she burns the toast. That's what some of them believed. He appeals back to seminal Genesis, original creation concerning marriage. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jesus is appealing back to seminal Genesis about everything, including our ability to exercise dominion. We're going to go beyond Genesis 1 and 2 into the new heavens and the new earth. It starts now. We understand the bad news of Genesis 3 came, but then the good news of Christ the King manifest at his first appearing, the Gospels and the New Testament. It's really like this. The good news behind the bad news behind the good news. We have to think and talk more about this beyond the gospel of sin management to go to heaven. You are going to be you, but it's going to be a super enhanced you. It's going to be a glorified you. Much of what's in you will, you are going to express then, but in a super enhanced way. You're not going to be in an eternal church service, God forbid. You're not going to, you know, be resting in a rest home. You're not going to be on some cloud playing some harp and some toga-like apparel. No, where have all these pictures and ideas? And, you know, we have to have a vision bigger than that. It's going to, it's going to catalyze every day of the week. Every day I want to live a day that's worthy of the calling that we've received. It surely is about the kingdom. Check it out at jesussmart.com slash 275. And let's pray, Father. Oh, we come before you, Father, before the throne of grace on the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ, upon the merits of Christ's firstborn rights over all of creation. Lord, we stand before you on the merits of, of Christ's firstborn rights as a redeemer. And in his name, in his stead, we come before you. On the basis, Father, of your word, we seek to talk to you informed by your word. We want to pray word-shaped prayers, prompted, energized by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we, we receive you and welcome you as our prayer partner. Show us what to grab in prayer with you. We agree with you, Holy Spirit. Would you show us what to pray about and then uh, energize us to pray it with you? What a prayer partner, my friend, the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 8 says. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We pray that you would adjust our thinking, adjust our worldview to a kingdom worldview, 
that you would lift us above religiosity, churchianity, lift us above any man-made concepts of organized religion, and may the pure power, the pure beauty of the kingdom of God consume us. May we run with others in communities of faith that are pursuing the same. Thank you, Lord. We are born again to see and to enter your kingdom. Father, we thank you that the regenerative work, the, the generative work that you, will, that you will bring to a completion in the new heavens and the new earth has already begun within us through our born-again experience. All of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be manifest, to be revealed, and to, that they too can come into, that creation too can come into the freedom of the children of God. I pray for your freedom, your freedom, your freedom. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Break off every fetter, every bondage, every cycle, every lift us out of every rut, we pray. Set our feet in broad new places where we can run with you. We give you glory, Father, and we, we honor you. We love you. It's all for your story. It's all for your, your name and your fame and your glory. Thank you, Lord. We get to participate. Okay, Jesus Smart dot com slash 275. Appreciate you and I'll catch you next time.